I don't know about you, but I love the fact that in this church, we have loads of uh, children and loads of babies in, in particular. I love kids, as those of you who know me uh, know that uh, some people find that quite strange about me, but I love kids. I've got four myself, and you may not know, but I helped deliver all four of them. I was like an assistant midwife because I asked to be uh, one in that situation. With Elizabeth, I did go a bit green and had to go by the window for a little bit and then say, no, come on, Si, pull yourself together, be a man, let's get back and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and help. But by the time Sam came along, our last born, I was a natural, apparently, according to the other midwife, because we actually, we only had one in the, at that, that, that stage as well. But, you know, the level of pain and the immensity of the pain that you ladies go through. It looks, looks terrible. But <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad us men don't have to do it. And uh, could you imagine the fuss that would uh, happen? But uh, I spoke to one consultant gynecologist uh, uh, after Josiah and he, he said, do you know, I love my job. I was thinking, okay, well, why is that? He said, because every day I go home and I thank God that I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you go. Our, our, our Josiah was easy. There should be a picture. There he is, little Josiah up there. Oh, isn't he cute? Yeah, yeah, to embarrass him over there. But uh, he, uh, he was most easily our most difficult delivery because he was back-to-back. -back. So that means his spine was against Anna's spine and uh, uh, making a, a painful process that much more painful. And uh, after he was born, Anna did great, as you would, you would imagine. She sort of uh, pushed through that and uh, out came Josiah. And as I handed little tiny Josiah to Anna for the first time. I'll never forget her words, in fact, because as soon as she took him, she said, I can't imagine this being my last baby. It's like, what? <laughs> Did you see what you were just, well, you didn't see, but you felt what you went, went through. And, uh, you know, for the joy of new birth, women will go through the process of being pregnant and giving birth again. Hence, we have Sam. And the Bible says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got a bit of that, commun that the communion bread stuck in my throat. <laughs> the agony, the shame, the horror of the cross. Jesus endured that, knowing that through his sacrificial death, he would take many children to glory with him, the joy of new birth in Christ Jesus. On that cross, you see, the righteous judgment of God was poured out on Jesus against all the wickedness, all the sin, all the things that have been done, all the things that have been said, all the things that have been thought that are wrong were poured out on Jesus. And he bore that punishment for them on himself. The only person to live a perfect life was Jesus. And so he willingly, out of love, as we've heard this morning already, became that sacrifice, became that substitute for us to take our punishment so that all who put their faith in Jesus can be forgiven, they can be accepted, they can be adopted 
into God's family. They can call him Father, as we've been singing about this morning. And because God accepted that wonderful sacrifice on our behalf, and because death itself had no hold on Jesus because he was sinless, he rose again three days later, giving all of us who have put our hope in Jesus that glorious promise, that certain hope that we too will rise again to be with him for all eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the gospel, my friends. That's the truth on which we stand as Christians. That's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And our passage today, as we continue in 1 Thessalonians, makes that clear. Paul does not want us to be uninformed, he tells us, about the certain hope that we have in Jesus. He encourages each one of us to stand firm under the fiery trials of this life that come our way. Those difficulties that we face each day due to sin, due to sickness, due to satanic attack on our life, due to other people's selfish choices that impact us. In Christ, we persevere for the joy of the eternal hope set before us. Amen? And also, because of the joy of fruitful service that God has assigned to each one of us. We have a part to play in extending his kingdom here on earth. It's a real privilege to be involved in that. Don't be like the football players. You know, you see them, they get so distracted with themselves, how they look. They're so distracted by what the crowd think of them that they end up missing the ball. Don't be a football player like that. Don't be a soldier who abandons his post to the enemy because he's looking for home comfort in a wartime. We're in a wartime as a church, my friends. In Christ, we have an eternal future that is going to be beyond amazing. So stand firm under the trials that God allows you to face day by day. Let's look at the passage, shall we? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18 says this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others, as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hallelujah. What amazing words, eh? The hope that we have in Christ is, is beyond amazing. If you want to 
to start just by looking at the verses 13 to 15. They should appear on the screen uh, behind me. We'll spend a bit of time in them before we look at the, the next bit. But the Apostle Paul, you see, doesn't want us to be uninformed as to what happens to Christians if they die before Christ returns. He uses the well-known euphemism of sleep to refer to death which was actually was used in his day as well, but has that particular meaning for Christians because it, 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 it helps emphasize it's only a temporary thing. It's not a permanent thing because we have a glorious future hope. That's why he says we don't grieve as others do who have no hope. You see, Jesus is clear, isn't he? He says in John's Gospel, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Amazing words Jesus uttered. And we as Christians, along with the Apostle Paul, can say as he declared in, um, in Corinthians, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you're in Christ, you have victory over death. Hallelujah. So whilst it is right for us to grieve the the passing of loved ones. It's right for us to mourn. We're not called to be Stoics where we're unemotional. We suppress emotions. God is an emotional God. God gave you emotions. That's why you have them because he has them and you're made in his image. Jesus wept over the Lazarus, his friend, when even though he knew that a few moments later he was going to rise him from the dead, he was going to bring him back to life. But Jesus still wept. So we do cry, and we do grieve, and we do mourn, and we do miss people on those special birthdays and special occasions that they're not here and they're not going to see them along with us. But it's not the grief of permanent despair, but like those in Paul's day had. That's what they they thought. It It was permanent. But it's of temporary loss knowing that for those who have fallen asleep in Christ Jesus, as the Bible says, it is better by far for them. Hallelujah. Now, don't confuse the word here, sleep, with them being the people that are dead being unconscious as they're uh, in some sort of soul sleep. Uh, some Christians do hold that view kind of loosely based on Revelation 6, 11, But in the light of what Jesus teaches and the Apostle Paul teaches, I think John Stott sums it up when he says this. He says, certainly Jesus' own reference to what happens after death suggests a conscious awareness of bliss or pain. And Paul, in contrasting this world and the next, wrote, for him, life meant Christ and death meant gain. He would hardly regard death as gain, much less better by far, unless he believed it would bring him a closer, richer, fuller experience of Christ than he was already enjoying. William Hendrickson writes, 
this falling asleep does not inc- uh, th- sorry this falling asleep does not indicate an intermediate state of unconscious soul sleep though the soul is asleep to the world which it has left it is awake with respect to the world it is now in so whilst absent in the body the believer's spirit is with the lord in eternal bliss but the fullness of the Christian hope, the fullness of the glory that awaits us is for God's people is when Christ returns and renews the physical world and gives us a perfect physical body as well. For we, as our passage says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, so shall we, basically, it goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 15 gives us a bit more detail on this. It says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. See, our passage makes it clear uh, to us that the dead will return, the dead in Christ will return with Jesus when he comes back. And they will receive their resurrection body first, and then we will be caught up with them in the air and also receive ours. As Paul explains a bit further in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Hallelujah. That's that's what awaits you if you're in Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a Christian. At that moment, God will renew the heavens and the earth. He will also judge the living and the dead, because the dead will be raised. All those outside of Christ will have to bear their own sin before God and be cast out of his presence, as the gospel makes clear. But those who have put their hope and their faith in Jesus, Jesus and surrendered to him as Lord. He has already borne your sins himself on the cross, on your behalf. So this is what will happen to those of you in Christ. In Revelations 21, says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to this. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. The best of this world but with no sin, with no 
sickness, no selfishness, no suffering, with God right there in the center of it all, pouring out his love, his joy, his peace, his kindness and goodness on you as well. No wonder the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that God is going to be showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in in Christ Jesus. Every day, in all eternity, God is going to be pouring out his blessing on you and on me. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus has won it for us. My friends, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be beyond amazing, is what I'm trying to get across to you. This is the joy that is set before you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the certain hope that is secured for us, not by our deeds, but by what Jesus has done. That's why the Apostle Paul could, Apostle Paul, the Apostle John could write this in 1 John 5. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He writes it so we may know that we have eternal life. Hallelujah, my friends. Hallelujah. So Christchurch, whenever trials come your way, as they will do, whatever difficulties come your way, as they do, whatever burdens God allows you to face during this life, as 2 Corinthians tells us, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction, remember how much trouble and suffering and persecution Paul himself went through beyond anything any of us have endured. He says this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Hallelujah. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul writes in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons and and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. Remember in, in the in the Bible, the church is referred to sometimes as the bride of Christ. Men, you have to accept that you're referred to as the bride of Christ sometimes, and ladies elsewhere, you have to accept you're referred to as the, the you know sons in the sense that you get all the same birthrights as uh, the sons did back then. My friends, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, don't let temporary pain 
or difficulty or sadness or illness, and I'm not minimizing any of those things. They're, they're real. And we get, that's why we have a team, pastoral team, that can come and help you and stand alongside you during those difficult times. That's why we encourage people to be in life groups to help walk through those dark times that we all face. But don't let them distract you from persevering in the work that Christ has for you here on earth. For the joy that is set before you, endure all that God allows to come your way. Amen? Endure it for Jesus' sake and Jesus' glory. Let's, uh, let's move on to look at verses 16 to 18, because I need to bring this to a close. The return of Christ at that moment that only the Father in heaven knows, Jesus says. The command will be given by an archangel and the heavenly trumpet will sound throughout the earth. It will be a supernatural event and Christ will return. He'll wrap up history. There'll be no delay. The time of repentance for humanity will be over. Those in Christ forever saved, those outside of Christ as I said earlier, cast out into that terrible place the Bible calls hell, where there is no good thing. And God's heart is that no one goes there. 2 Peter 3 tells us. It should appear on the screen behind me. God's heart's that no one goes there. He wants you to experience him as father, not as judge. But because he is good and because he is just, he has to punish wickedness where it is. And we, his church, are the primary agent in which God wants to draw people to himself. So we need to get on with the mission whilst we still have breath in our bodies. Amen? Do you remember, uh, I said, when I came back from sabbatical, I talked about the, uh, are seeing people saved. If the numbers of believers, just based upon you guys in this room, let's forget the fact that there's nearly 2 billion believers uh, around uh, the world, but just based upon those in this room, if we were to double every year, then in 25 years, there'd be more believers in the world than there are people, which of course is impossible. But basically, the Great Commission would be completed long before that, just based upon the people in this room. I say there's many more than that. My challenge to us as a church was, back in September, was by next September, each one of us would have had the joy of leading one person to Christ. So let's go for it, my friends. Let's be diligent about seeking God to use us to save one person. It's not about numbers, my friends. It's about the glory of Christ and rescuing people from the worst future imaginable to the most amazing future imaginable that Jesus has for them. Be praying. Be sharing your faith. Be giving your all to Jesus, for he gave his all for you. Amen? Amen. Let's be going for it, my friends. 
For those of you, just a little aside, uh, well, it does fit in, because I know I'll be quizzed about it afterwards, but anyway. For those of you who are wondering, where does the millennium fit into this? You need to understand, if you take Revelations 20, 1 to 10 literally, which many do, you have to superimpose it onto passages like this in the New Testament, rather than using passages like this to help guide your understanding of the apocalyptic writing in Revelations. For more on that, there's our preaching series on Revelations, and Revelation 20 in particular. You can listen to my sermon on that from a few years back. Otherwise, my friends, don't worry about it, because either way, the important thing from the passage that we have looked at today is that God wants us to be encouraged by the eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So that for the joy that is set before us, we stand firm under the fiery trials of this life, doing our utmost to help as many people as possible to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour before Christ returns. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite the, the, the worship team to return as well, please? God wants to do great things through your life. Don't disqualify. You might be thinking, oh, that's for somebody else. You don't know what I've done. If you've given your life to Christ Jesus, even if you've just come to him in the, uh, the last uh, few weeks, God has great things that he wants to use you and me to do for him. The reason why he hasn't returned is because he wants more people in glory with him. And he wants to use you to bring them to him. So I'm going to pray for all of us. First, actually, I'm just going to pray. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, actually, I, I want to go to that great future that was uh, mentioned. I don't want to be cast out. I, I realize I need Jesus. I don't want to bear the things that I've done wrong myself. I, I want Jesus to pay the punishment for them so I'm free to know God. Then just pray this prayer in your heart along with me. God knows what you're thinking. God knows everything about you. So just pray this prayer along with me as the, as the rain pours down. Father God, thank you that you love me enough to send your son to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done that offend you, that hurt other people that hurt myself. Lord, help me, through the power of your Spirit, live the rest of my life for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that and you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to be in touch with you. If you're here in the room, please come and grab me. I have a track that I'd like to give you just to help explain a bit more. And I'd love to uh, chat with you and even pray with you as well uh, a bit more about that after the message. But for the rest of us, God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. He wants to use you. You have the most amazing future ahead of you. So let's give our all, regardless of what we're feeling like, let's give our all to serving Jesus. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you 
You could have wrapped up history whenever you wanted, Lord God. You could have said, I've had enough of this human race, a total waste of space. And we are in one sense, Lord God. But Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us so much that you came to die for us. And you haven't returned yet because you want to use each person in this room to bring others to come to know and love you. Each one of us has a part to play in your eternal plan and purpose. And so, Lord, I just pray for each person here. Fill them afresh right now with your Holy Spirit. Just, just place your hands out in front of you if you want to receive from the Spirit. He's here. Holy Spirit, just come and meet with each person in this room, I pray. Father, just fill each heart right now. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you said to the disciples to uh, wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high until the Spirit had been poured out on them. And Lord, we, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your Spirit, Lord God. As the rain has been pouring down, we want a fresh outpouring of your Spirit upon us, Lord God. We are weak, Lord God, but you are strong. We are easily distracted, Lord God, but you are focused. Lord, we are faithless at times, Lord God, but you are faithful, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray, come and meet with each person in this room, Lord God. May they be transformed by your love. May they be empowered by your love and may they be motivated by your love to reach their friends, their families, their neighbours, their work colleagues, all that you place around them. Be upon them, Lord God, I pray. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going we're gonna to close with a song of worship. If you want prayer, there'll be some space over here for people to come and pray with you. If you want prayer for just help to, there's somebody that you know that you want to share your, your faith with, but you're struggling, you know you struggle to share your faith, please come forward over here. There'll be people to uh, pray with you. If there's somebody, you just want someone to come and, you know, say, I, want, I really want someone to come and pray for this person with me by name, uh, then come and get prayer for that. If you want fresh filling with the Spirit or healing, again, Come and get prayer for that. We've seen people healed in this place over the last few weeks. We, we uh, uh, nay, um, had that word earlier. Please come and get prayer for that. I actually also feel that if you're here and you have problems with your hearing, whether it's partial uh, hearing or even a complete loss, come and get prayer for that. We believe God wants to bring healing in that area this morning. So as we sing this song of worship to close, uh, just be, be, begin to make your way forward and as things die down, people will come and pray for you there.